Welcome to Navigating Change, everybody, the podcast from Tybal Inc. My name is Pete Wright, and that over there is... Howard Tybal. I never know when you do that if you're pausing for me to fill in, you know, we're, st- we're, we're still trying to figure out the high five slap. <laughs> is it going to be a thing where we have to go past each other and grab each other's ankles? It's very 1985. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But we are also joined by an esteemed guest who is, is absolutely going to bring the class of this show uh, way up. Uh, <laughs> head of school uh, at the New Hampton School, Andrew Menke. Andrew, welcome to Navigating Change. Thank you. I'm so happy to be included with this uh, terrific group. So thanks for having me. Well, you're you're very generous already. Uh, you know, we we have a number of uh, of topics on the docket today, but I think the overarching uh, theme that we're going to be talking about. You know, Howard and I talk a lot about uh, change and the process of change and what it takes to engage change in complex sort of human systems. And uh, you know, we do a lot of this talking to each other. And so I'm very excited to have you uh, on board for this conversation to to help us uh, illustrate or demonstrate. Uh, the experience of change from somebody who is who, who is really an active and engaged leader in the process. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the story of New Hampton School and what you all are, are, are going through uh, in terms of your journey of change right now? Yes, I um, I always think about change um, kind of in two um, different places in the in the body, <laughs> uh, almost literally the the idea of change being something that I think ultimately all of us are receptive to intellectually with our heads and then um, I think predisposed to be resistant to a little further down in our heart and in our gut. And uh, I think that's the, um, the intersection of complexity when we think about change in an organization like New Hampton School uh, or any complex organization that is really relational. Uh, where there is um, challenges, I think, there are natural challenges between that intellectual and emotional reaction to change. So um, in a nutshell, New Hampton School has been around for almost 200 years and has remained a very dynamic place. And when I arrived in 2005, there was a necessity for us to have a conversation about um, another intersection, and that is the intersection between mission and market. What we can really, really believe in uh, deep within the soul of the school, and what's going to be saleable out in the marketplace uh, in a very competitive landscape of independent schools, certainly for us regionally, but also uh, nationally. So had a, um, um, a terrific first year of kind of realigning the expectations and um, essentially having conversations with people um, that had a lot to do with the simple um, yet very difficult to, um, uh, to implement notion of doing what we say we're going to do. And that consistency, I think, is very, very important. And then we were able to get to a point where we had a strong enough foundation that we entered a very comprehensive strategic planning process that include every single constituent associated with the school. And that included parents, both current and past, faculty, students, board of trustee members, community members. Um, So everybody who had a stake in the school had an opportunity to come around the table and have a conversation about the strengths of New Hampton School and the opportunities going forward. And a year later, we had adopted a new mission, vision, uh, set of core values, and uh, four overarching goals that have actually led to an amazing transformation 
here at, uh, at New Hampton. And I, I think ultimately the most important part of the product was the process of engaging all the constituencies in a very transparent way about the future vitality of New Hampton. Oh, I feel like I have so many questions, uh, but I, I want to kick off, Howard, if you could. Andrew said something really interesting to, to me, and that is uh, this process of engaging uh, the various constituencies at, at the school uh, and giving them the opportunity to participate in this change process. One of the things that you and I have talked about uh, often is this idea of opportunity versus responsibility, uh, and responsibility to me connotes this experience of taking ownership of the change in every uh, part of the organization. I wonder if I could get you guys to reflect a little bit on that concept as we as we get into this conversation. Yes, you know it's it's, it's great. I, you know I love how you frame that, Andrew. And I think of it in sort of two domains, or, or two ways you can approach change. And I think the old school model about change was forced change. I think that the new school model, the New Hampton school model, if I if I may, is uh, invite change. And I think without realizing it, we end up trying to force change on others uh, because it's sort of that idea of my idea is really good and my job is to convince you versus my job is to invite you into a conversation so that you own this. I I think probably the thing I've seen in the last 10 years that's growing and growing is an awareness of what buy-in means. You know, I'm sure, Andrew, you've got a lot to say about that. That idea that it's one thing, you know, here it is, you lead a senior team and, you know, you could lead them many ways, Uh, you know, as their boss, you can say, this is what we're doing. But I think, you know, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this because I've seen you in action, that you show more interest in what they have to say, which I think only gets a better outcome and also produces buy-in. What does that resonate with you? Yeah, it really does in a big way. I mean, I think the we've reached unprecedented levels of health here in, in you know in every measurable uh, area in the school, um, and and it is. It, people ask me all the time. I have a really uh, terrific uh, donor in Jupiter, Florida, and uh, and I like to go to Jupiter, Florida, as you might imagine, especially at this time of year. And uh, and he asked me a question once at a gathering that we had of alumni and parents in Florida about why we have realized this unbelievable um, transformation as a school. I mean, programmatically, curricularly, Howard, I think you're aware that we are we were the first New England boarding school and one of the first independent schools in the country to adopt the International Baccalaureate Program. Uh, we have a set of core skills called the Foundations of Learning that was developed uh, collaboratively by all departments and has been refined several times over the last five years. Uh, have adopted 45 new courses, have a wonderful new comprehensive evaluation and assessment process for faculty that is tied to um, professional development. And um, we, we have set new records each of the last nine years we've, with unrestricted annual giving, those donations that parents make and, and, and alumni make um, each year, $45 million of, uh, of capital fundraising, uh, five so, major so I've, projects. I have a question for you as, I, as you as you rattle those off, which are wonderful, because I'll tell you what strikes me um, is the, the level of connection people have. I mean, not not everybody can 
can claim those kinds of successes, especially in this economic climate. So if you step back and go, all right, you know, if you think about what the special sauce is, what what is it that you know I, that has produced that sense of um, optimism and engagement? I mean, when you look, when you step back and go, wow, I'm I'm actually going for the, along for the ride here on some level. I mean, I'm I'm the head of school and I've got a certain responsibility, but I'm also inheriting a right. certain kind of momentum that's already here. What do you think? What do you attribute that success to? That other heads of schools, or whether it's in K through twelve or even higher education, you know, would be interested to hear. Do, do you have it? Could you synopsize it in one simple kind of message? Yeah, I think it's uh, talent and shared purpose. There we go. Um, talent in, and shared purpose. Yeah. I love so, it. so, so this terrific guy in Jupiter, Florida, Walter Ungerman, is his name. Is his name, and we're still working on him for for a major gift here at New Hampton, and he knows that, and. So he asked the question about why we've had this phenomenal success, and it really is attracting and retaining talent and engaging them in a conversation that, Pete, to your point, and Howard, you know this, that um, we have an opportunity to work together to reshape an educational landscape, and I think people can get really excited about that, and there is a healthy sense of urgency here, and the people who join our team, and I'm not just talking about the administrative team, but... Every employee here shares that healthy sense of urgency, and it creates a dynamic work environment that I think people are very attracted to. And, and those yeah. who aren't, uh, just like students who may not be the right fit here, uh, they may not be the right fit. But we've realized amazing success, and it's just fun to come to work every day. And, and as I look into the future, we have a bright one because we have people who are very, very devoted um, to the next chapters and the, the evolu evolutionary nature of what I think uh, is best in education, that these environments should be environments that are dynamic. There's a level of consistency that's obviously important when you, when you work with adolescents, uh, but, but students and parents continually uh, talk about the energy they feel from the adults that they spend time with, and those adults have a shared purpose that is absolutely inspiring. But you know, so so here's what comes to mind for me, having uh, spent some time uh, with you and your senior team, is that I know, also know you're trying to push the envelope. You know, I, I think that institutions like yours live in some, in, in a sense, in, a, in two worlds. One world is the tradition and what New Hampton has been for the last 200 years. And then there's the looking forward. What is the 22nd century school? How do we need to be changing and finding that right balance? And I know that you're right in the middle of trying to negotiate that balance between tradition and innovation. I'd love to hear you talk about how you're approaching that. Yeah, we, um, you know, there's a, there's an also, an in, I think, an interesting intersection, at least at New Hampton, between um, necessity and design. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're different kind of drivers, and I think both are in play in a real competitive landscape like ours. And we're now, fortunately, in a position of health where we're thinking more about design you know, being more intentional, being more thoughtful, and, and, you know, no less of this sense of urgency, but really being very, very considerate of uh, what we've accomplished, the platform from which we can stand and, and look out and ahead. So I think there are three major factors, um, essential elements of 
transformation. And I don't know <laughs> if this holds true in, in every enterprise, but they are the following. One is that I think you have to have a, uh, a compelling big idea and ideally several big ideas. Uh, you have to have phenomenal leadership. And I'm not talking about sitting in the chair that I sit in, but campus-wide in the adults and ideally, in, in our case, in the student population. And then finally, you have to have a significant infusion of resources. Um, and the big ideas that we're thinking about right now are in part a result of a shifting uh, and, 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 and interconnected and interdependent landscape that is, um, it, it has never been experienced in human history. And so we're thinking about um, the idea of how we reimagine and redesign ultimately the secondary school experience. Um, we believe that we have the DNA and the culture here given the fact that everybody uh, is really pushing and leaning forward and very excited about evolutionary change here at New Hampton, uh, that we, we're bold enough to believe that we can recast what a secondary school, what a high school experience actually looks like. I think these are, are fantastic. Uh, and, and looking at the website, uh, you know, just judging by newhampton.org, you all have taken on some big, audacious, hairy, scary, wonderful new projects. And you are obviously a, 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 you know, on the leading edge of technology implementation. Uh, you, and, and for being a school that's over 200 years old, I mean, that is a, that is a legacy. And, and it seems to me even more than, you know, you being a, a head of school, your role sounds very much to me like you are a custodian of a mission that is much larger than you. And that, that is, it, it really comes through in reading some of these resources. I also also know that there is this sense of knowing that you have to push forward this growth and this change and taking on these big hairy goals and doing so in a way that is uh, uh, responsible and fiscally sustainable and yes. uh, to do things that you know and you have confidence in uh, that are going to stick and that you have the capability and capacity to make them do so. Uh, I wonder if you could comment a little bit on, on that, and, and uh, I would love to hear some examples of, of how you have made some of these, uh, uh, these things come true. We, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about a school, uh, any school that has, uh, that has the, we, we, you know, the longevity of uh, New Hampton School where we're coming uh, upon our 200th birthday, and what are the traditions that bind us together and, bond, and, and, and connect generations of of, of alumni, and that's very, very important to be the steward of a culture that is resonant with um, folks who are who have long associations with the school. And my conversations with folks have been both about the traditions uh, and the experiences that they remember, and their desire to make sure that. New Hampton School thrives long into the future because there's obviously a difference between survival and uh, and thriving. And you know we've had this conversation, Pete and Howard, about compelling effectiveness and sustainable efficiency, and both are really really important. We want to make sure uh, that what we're doing from a moral imperative standpoint prepares students for um, a, a very different uh, and again dynamic future, and that the underpinnings of the school remain healthy over that period of time to support uh, all of the terrific students who have yet to enroll at New Hampton School. And where, by the way, in the, in the midst of that right now, we just sent out all of our acceptances 
um, a couple of days ago and are hearing back from people right and left and again setting new records. So that's, that's exciting. So some of the ideas that we've talked about so far, inspired in part by uh, by a very interesting intellectual thinker called, uh, his name is Ken Robinson. He's done these RSA, these kind of animated uh, whiteboard talks that uh, that we've probably all seen, and he's on he's uh, findable on YouTube. Um, we've had conversations about um, eliminating the batching that has gone on in schools for such a long time, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, and thinking about reorganizing around skill mastery. Um, so, Pete, you and I are in um, geometry class together, and. And, uh, and it takes you three months to get through m the material, and it takes me actually not nine months, but it takes me 12 or 14 months to get through. And uh, what if you were given the opportunity to continue to move forward and be um, uh, engaged and, and, uh, and, and motivated to do that, and you gave me an opportunity not to slide through geometry and those important concepts as building blocks um, with a you know, with a C minus that I could really achieve a level of understanding. And I think technology, among other tools, allows for that kind of customization and individualization that can make that possible. Uh, what if we thought about eliminating the, the, the structure of the nine month or eight and a half month school year and thought about using the entire 12 months? And if we did that, what if we had students engaged in skill mastery here on campus uh, for two months, and then we engaged in place-based learning and assessment in kind of an internship way in the field as a field study to show what they know and make the experience of assessment and learning more relevant than the abstract experience that so many students have sitting in a classroom. So Andrew, these are, are, yeah, so these are fantastic ideas. I, I could How hypothetical are these in in terms of your discussion i mean you're talking about shaking up the batching and grade system and the you, you know the the year-round program uh, just how hypothetical are they at, at new hampton in terms of you know your level of discussion with the teams well we're working on um piloting um a, a few so so we've started the conversation for instance with our department chairs with their individual departments about trying to articulate uh, what the skill mastery would be. I mean, what would uh, the, the uh, algebraic um, uh, skill mastery be for a student at New Hampton School? Um, we have begun to engage in a conversation about how we would use June, July, and August. We have a program here, uh, Pete and Howard, as you may have seen on our website, called Project Week which is an experiential program that does give students an opportunity um, to do field work for an entire uh, week. And some of that's service, and some of it's service learning, and then some of it's more uh, academic. Um, so um, we, we piloted online courses as an example to try to figure out how we can utilize that technology both here on campus and uh, remotely to make sure that um, we could use that effectively with a, with a mentor, with a coach, with a faculty member um, who could further, st if a student was in the field, uh, their understanding of material. So um, we're moving in the direction of operationalizing um, these ideas, but um, Howard knows this, that, um, that we are uh, in the process of formalizing a job description and Howard, the, the title of the job description is in flux right now, but we're likely to call it a chief innovation officer. And yeah. that person ideally will be hired here in the next 
four to six months, and that person will come on campus and um, help to facilitate this major change. Because ideally, um, in the next uh, four to six to eight years, uh, we are going to be a we're, we're going to function and look very differently than we look now. So the so here's what strikes me, Andrew, listening to you tell your story, and I've heard you told, tell it before. You know, when you when you talked about the three major factors, and and I think this is what distinguishes New Hampton, and there are many schools out there that have the same capacity at this point, meaning they have they're being they're on the edge of some compelling big ideas. They've got strong leadership, uh, and they do have the right resources. As you and I both know, uh, there are is, there's a spectrum of uh, financially sustainable institutions, those who are in very good shape and those that are struggling for all different reasons. And the interesting thing for me, and I think the interesting point for the listener, is that even with strong and effective financial management and an in a, in a, a, a influx of continued high growth and enrollment, that doesn't mean the institution is ready for change. As a matter of fact, one of the dangers is, is that success causes people to say, let's not mess with it. And I know from speaking to board members at different institutions that there is a there's a there's a view out there that sort of again spans that spectrum. And I think what you're doing at New Hampton is you are encouraging uh useful failures as well as the ability to actually succeed beyond your dreams only because you're saying to people, let's not rest on our laurels. And I think that is an important lesson for leadership. I know too many leaders who, you know, it's easier to, it's easy to hold back when you have financial challenges. And everyone's got but I mean, significant financial challenges. It's just as easy for leaders to hold back when they have success. So I think one of the things you're doing right is that you're willing to push the envelope in the face of success. And, 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 and that, to me, is an important leadership lesson uh, for all of us, uh, no matter if you're running a corporation or an association or if you're running a school. It's that, all right, we have the success. Where are we trying to go now? Uh, because things are changing so quickly. So, so I give you so much. That, that to me, is what's inspiring. That's what I want to see other leaders doing more of, is being willing to step back and go, all right, Let's not rest on what we consider to be success, because I'm sure you've got some pushback at different corners about trying too many different things. So, Howard, what resonates most with me is at a level of unprecedented health here at New Hampton, the question is, why do we keep pushing? And I think part of that is the, um, the, the, the leadership piece, that I think if you have the right people in place and those people are pushing and they're ambitious, uh, either internally or maybe even externally, then those, that's a group that's going to come together and say, hey, um, we have to explore the next iteration, the next uh, evolutionary opportunity here at, uh, at New Hampton, um, because complacency is, is just not an option. That's right. And 
trying to bring in the central drivers. So there are always external drivers that I think are evident to everyone. And if we're paying attention to them, they should motivate us to continue to change. I, I think these are such terrific points uh, and, and such a great conversation. I know we could talk uh, we could talk a lot about this very topic, but I think introducing uh, what it looks like to uh, manifest successful change and and truly to create a this dynamic culture of change, uh, I think you really have, uh, are, are doing some fantastic work at the New Hampton School. I encourage everybody listening, go check out New Hampton Hampton.org. Their website's fantastic. It's full of wonderful videos and, and uh, uh, the students walking through uh, uh, all of the really innovative programs. Uh, it, it's a great, uh, it looks like a great, great place to, to engage in uh, learning. Pete and Howard, thank you very much. I am grateful for being included. I uh, truly enjoyed it. Thank you very yeah, much. That's wonderful. Thank you, Andrew. Howard, how are, do we have any other words for the people who are listening here? I'll tell you what I hope for people, anyone listening, is that regardless of the role that you play, you know, you're listening to the head of school of, a, of an independent private institution. Uh, but my premise continues to be that no matter what level you are at in an organization, there's a place to look at what does it mean that you're playing a leadership role? And by leadership, what I'm talking about, influencing those around you. Uh, and, I, and I think that, you know, to the extent that you hear things from somebody that you say, you know what, that's inspiring. I think each of us have that in ourselves, and we just got to keep looking for the looking for that place in ourselves we can bring that passion out. Lead from the seat you are in. That's right. Is our, is our That's uh, right. refrain. This has been a fantastic conversation, folks. Thank you so much uh, for listening. You can find the show at tybalink.com. You can also search for us in the iTunes podcast directory, available for free, so you make sure you don't miss a single episode of the show. On behalf of Andrew Menke, head, head of school, New Hampton School, uh, and Howard Teibel, uh, I'm Pete Wright. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink.